And this is View the Valley's podcast, season three, episode two, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, uh, how you been the last week? Oh, fantastic. It's getting closer and closer to shotgun season for uh, our hunting friends here in Illinois for deer. You a hunter? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. I uh, have killed one deer before. With your car? Yep. Yeah? Absolutely. But you'll definitely dig into the summer sausage if somebody brings it to work, won't you? So I'm somebody that'll keep asking until one of the one of the friends actually gives me some. Yeah. Um, now, I have been invited over to help with the deer making process. Uh-huh. Not the deer making. The deer's already made. Well, <laughs> the processing of the, the meat. The pro- I understand what yeah. you mean. But. Clearly, not a, <laughs> clearly not a hunter here. But I have been invited over in, uh, in the last couple years uh, to help with the process. Uh, basically, just to have a nice cold one in my hand. Because that seems to be what uh, they all do during it. I hear that when you burger that meat, like if before you do anything with it, like if you make that first burger, it's fantastic. Like there are a few things that match it for people that are red meat eaters. But I haven't gotten one yet, knock on wood. I'll probably get one tomorrow on my way to work because I'm not a hunter either. But been around enough of them to know they're dangerous for us. I mean, heck, you you live where we live. It's kind of rare that somebody doesn't hunt yeah you know my my uncle has hit so many with this vehicle that his insurance company told him if you hit one more we're dropping you so he hasn't reported like the last two or three (laughs) jeez but uh tj we got a got a loaded podcast this week yeah we do uh belmont head coach casey alexander joins the show as well as ut martin head coach ryan ritter Uh, we will also discuss the three strongest and one non-conference schedule that we think could imp- could have improved a little bit uh, between the two conferences. Uh, so we'll do that uh, throughout the show. Uh, but TJ, before we get to uh, uh, Casey Alexander here, uh, what has you most excited um, leading up to the season? I think on the Missouri Valley side, the addition of Murray State, Belmont, and UIC – the fact that the MVC tournament is going to be four games on Thursday. Yeah, I know that's kind of a, a very lightly attended day. But just, yeah, I always thought Friday was the best day because you get four games, and now you get two games of four days. So a uh, little bit more of figuring out which seat's going to be mine at the Enterprise Center, hopefully. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing is going to 12 teams, seeing what it's going to bring. I think and you'll hear from our conversation with uh, Coach Alexander what Belmont's going to bring to the table this year. The, we're recording this on Wednesday. The MVC preseason voting just came out today, so that's pretty exciting. You know, their first team all-conference projections and things like that and where people are supposed to land. So I, all those things kind of – each step, like there's all these little different things that happen that get you more and more excited about the season. So that's that's what excites me. Is there anything that excites you, or what is it that excites you about your upcoming OVC season? Uh, I tell you what, TJ, looking at – uh, the recent news from uh, yesterday. Uh, yesterday was the OVC Media Day, and you just mentioned the MVC uh, poll came out uh, today. Uh, so I'll jump into that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where teams go from the projected uh, standings at the preseason mark here. Uh, Moorhead State was picked to win, uh, followed by Tennessee State, UT Martin, and SEMO. That's your top four. And then SIUE at five, Little Rock. Southern Indiana, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Illinois, and then Lindenwood. 
but one of the areas I'm really looking for is to see how good um, Southern Illinois or Southern Indiana and Linwood act, you know, perform at the D1 level this year. Uh, one of the reasons being, it's it seems like it's such a long wait to be able to be um, be able to partic- participate in the tournament. Uh, doesn't matter how good you do. So if if Southern Indiana, for example, you know, you know, runs the table. I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but maybe next. You know, at what point do you, if you're a conference, you're like, okay, maybe we need to allow, you know, the first first year Division One programs a bid at the tournament, or do we allow them in the second year, not multiple years down the road? Isn't that the NCAA's rule though? Yeah. Okay. Did I say conference? Yeah, I think I meant yeah. Yeah, so that's where I was a little confused. But I think that's kind of the price to pay, though, to play. You know what I mean? You just don't just come in and like, hey, yeah, we have a good team, and now we're gearing up just for that. That. Yeah, I get that. I I, see I don't know that it needs to be. Was it four years? But because I don't I want mean, to see him come in that first year either, because it also makes it tough on recruiting. Like, oh sure, hey, am I gonna take? Am I gonna go to Lindenwood? where I'm not going to have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament for four years. Or am I going to go to SIUE, which, you know, isn't much farther away, depending on which way you're driving. And I might have a shot to get there. Yeah. And I, I know we've er, been in contact with uh, one of the head coaches here recently. So hopefully uh, maybe we'll be able to get that question out there and, you know, just get their thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at the preseason all OVC team, uh, you got Mark Freeman, a Moorhead state, Chris Harris, Philip Russell of SEMO, Rayshon Taylor, Dewan Pruitt, and Jelani Simmons, first uh, two SIUE, Simmons of Southern Indiana, and then Tennessee State's got a buttload. Uh, Junior Clay, Marcus Fitzgerald, Zion Griffin, Diedrich Boyd, Tennessee Tech's got Ty Perry, and then UT Martin, who arguably may have one of the one of the best one-two combos in uh, the OVC, right? and KJ Simon and Parker Stewart. And we'll get into a conversation with uh, Coach Ritter about that later in the show. Uh, so honestly, TJ, it's per- it's a pretty loaded uh, loaded preseason All OVC uh, conference team, but does look a lot different than some of the playmakers you saw last year that ended the season. You know, there's no Jani Broom this year, right? There's no Eric Reed this year. Um, you got the Belmonts and the Murray State guys now into the MVC, which honestly all of Murray State's basically at Auburn now. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's going to, it's going to leave for a, a pretty balanced league. I thought last year was kind of balanced, but I think this year even more is going to be, uh, it's going to be more balanced. I know lat, last year, I think, or last two years, we've talked about how the MVC is pretty balanced in the middle of the pack, but I think the OVC from top to bottom, I mean, it could be a one to three game differential. Yeah, I think when I look at the preseason picks for uh, all conference for on the OBC side, the kid I just and maybe it's being our locality, but the kid I just really pulling for is Rayshon Taylor just to have a healthy year. Yeah, like he was having a really solid season last year when he tore his ACL again. So here's a kid who chose to stay close to home and now just hasn't been able to really get off the ground, so yeah. to speak. With, you know, between COVID and his two knee injuries, like I just, whether 
no matter how SIUE plays, I want that kid to have a good season sure. just to kind of get back in the flow of things. I mean, because it seems like every time he really gets that pedal, pedal to the floor, it just seems like boom, mm-hmm. over just like that. Yeah, it's just like all of a sudden he was on the sideline like, what happened? He just, yep, don't know what happened. So, uh, uh, TJ, what's it looking like on the Missouri Valley side well, here? Drake is is tabbed to be the top team in the league, and they have Tucker DeVries as uh, the potential or the projected Larry Bird of the Year winner, uh, Player of the Year winner. Um, Bradley and Southern Illinois, a close second and third to each other. Missouri State, which we've talked about a little bit, I think there are so many unknowns with Missouri State's roster. A number of them followed uh, – the former associate head coach to Northwestern State. And I think they've had a complete turnover, basically, of their roster. Then Northern Iowa, who just got word, it looks like Austin Fife is not going to be able to play this year because of some health issues. And then Belmont's pick six, which I found kind of odd. But, you know, then talking to Coach Alexander, Ben Shepard's their only returning starter that they lost four of their top five starters outside of Ben Shepard. So there's that. And then I think you kind of get to the Murray State being picked eighth behind Indiana State at seven. It seemed seemed a little low, but again, I think it's kind of like the Missouri State deal that there's so many unknowns since they had to completely rebuild their roster and then drop down to 10th with Illinois State having a new coaching staff along with Evansville at 12. So uh, that puts Valpo at nine and Illinois Chicago at 11. So I think there's some real unknowns between, you know, I don't think we know as much about Illinois Chicago as maybe we do the, the New guys with Belmont and Murray State, but then Illinois State and Evansville having a new coaching staff. Those are some things that you're trying to figure out what's going to be coming this year. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you're not exactly sure what you're going to see out of you know a couple new teams in the conference. Um, but one area that I am interested to see is while Murray State did lose a bunch of guys to Auburn and Matt McMahon, um, or not Auburn, I'm sorry, uh, LSU, yeah. Um, is what Steve Prohm's going to be able to do coming back from basically Big 12 standards to back right. to where he got everything going at Murray State because, you know, he's got some transfers coming. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you don't really know what to expect, but, you know, some of his transfers that he's already uh, gotten down at Murray, uh, they should be able to make a big impact for mm-hmm. the Valley. But with that, TJ, we'll go ahead and bring in uh, – Coach Casey Alexander, uh, when we caught up with him earlier in the week. And we are joined by Belmont head men's basketball coach, Casey Alexander. Coach Alexander, thanks for taking time to join the show this week. I'm glad to do it. Thanks for asking. So we'll jump right into it, Coach. Uh, Obviously, the big storyline, I think, for Belmont will be changing conferences. Have there been any challenges that changing conferences presented you that maybe you weren't expecting? Uh, no, everything uh, to this point, um, it's all been positive news. Uh, the move to the Missouri Valley has helped us, we believe, in recruiting. It's um, created a lot of excitement on our campus. It's it's given us a new uh, carrot out in front of us uh, to try to strive for. And so, so far, so good. Uh, but we're aware that the tough part is coming. That's playing games against a lot of really good teams. How difficult is it to adjust to coaches and teams that you're not as familiar with as you were with those in the OVC in previous seasons? Yeah, again, it's one of those things that time will tell. Uh, you know, it's um, you know, it's 
we all love familiarity and um, you know there's a great a, a level of comfort when you when you kind of know what you're walking into and who teams are and who coaches are and how they're built and and how they tick uh, and all of that will be a new learning curve for us. We're certainly familiar with the teams in the Valley and the programs. We've watched plenty of games and we've got an idea, but, but it will all be new. And, um, you know, I think that's a challenge that, um, you know, that we've thought about, um, but uh, we won't really know how significant of a challenge that is until we're in the middle of it. Is there some place uh, in the OVC that maybe you're going to miss playing? Obviously, you know, you're not going across town to play, Tennessee State, uh, you don't have that. some of those familiar trips. You're not having the, the conference tournament right there in your backyard. Is there anything like that you're going to miss on the OVC side? Uh, I'd just say that the OVC was good for us. Uh, we had 10, 10 really good years in the OVC, and, and there are a lot of what we would all consider local schools that um, you know that will no longer be conference opponents, but uh, we'd love to keep some of those. Um, series uh, together if we can play in the non-conference and so forth. Uh, naturally, uh, Murray, uh, Murray State moving with us to the Valley is a good thing, we believe, um, you know, considered our biggest rival and so forth. I think it will be good for both teams to be able to continue to play each other but also uh, rise to another level uh, within the Missouri Valley Conference. Your return leading scorer, Ben Shepard, how can he elevate his game uh, for you and the team this season? Yeah, his, most of his elevation needs to come, you know, outside of on-the-floor performance. I mean, I think he's he's poised for another good year. Um, you know, I think he'll it'll be a shock if, to the system if he's not our leading scorer. He's already our best defender. And, you know, so we, we, we know what we can count on uh, from him on the floor. Although, uh, you know, he's been able to ride um, below the surface a little bit in the last couple of years because we've had such an experienced team with a lot of accomplished players ahead of him so it'll be a new role um carrying the target on his back for the first time uh but where we need him is just leadership um you know he's been a real steady contributor uh in our program for the last several years he understands what works at belmont why we are belmont what our standards are and those kinds of things and so with so many new faces on our roster um we'll need him to kind of carry that torch for us um, more than he ever has so kind of following along those same lines, you lost four of your top five scores, and by my math, it was about 44 points a game. Where do you replace those points? Yeah, it's, it'll be a cumulative effect, I believe. Uh, you know, Certainly we have two transfers coming in, and Drew Freiberg and Keyshawn Davidson, who are proven players. Um, you know, they've, They're new to our program, but, um, but honestly, they're such good fits that – you know, to, to those of us on the staff, it feels like they've been here for three, four, five years already. So uh, they'll step right in and carry a significant load for us. Um, we've got a couple of freshmen that I think will will step right in and be significant tr- contributors right off the bat. Uh, I've told a lot of people I think the success or lack thereof of our team this season will come down to the six or seven guys that have been in our program in a lesser role um, and how much they can elevate their play and be really important to us now that we need them. So when you look at your schedule this season, uh, when you go from top to bottom outside of uh, conference play, it may not wow certain people um, when when you try to look at, you know, buy games, if you will. But for like a mid-major fan, for like TJ and myself, it's got a great mixture of solid mid-major programs that make it to the NCAA tournament uh, year in and year out. 
Is there one game that stands out to you uh, that you guys have on your schedule, maybe on the road that you're looking forward to? Gosh, I wouldn't say looking forward to, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the Furman game, we had an unbelievable game with them at our place last year, an overtime game that we won. Uh, they'll be the uh, unanimous favorite to win uh, the SOCON this year, I'm sure of that. Um, and it will be a top 50, 7,500 team at the very worst. Um, you know, so that, that'll be a really significant challenge for us. Our trip to the Virgin Islands has, you know, who knows who will end up playing there. But, you know, the second round of that tournament, we'll play Boston College or George Mason. Both of those teams are very good. Uh, championship game or, or our third game there. I mean, Wyoming's a top 25 level team. It's not a name uh, that you're talking about when you look at scheduling, but it's sure. your top 25 caliber team. Drake's in that tournament. We are. We all know how good they are. Buffalo's a great mid-major. So, yeah, that's how we put our schedule together. I, you know, I, I've seen, of course, everything at this point in time of the year is based on last year, but um, even though we don't have those power five names on the schedule, I've seen several different you know, <clears throat> media releases that, you know, that says we're still probably one of the top one, two, three schedules, nine conference schedules in the, in the, uh, in Missouri Valley. All right, coach. Well, to wrap it up, we have uh, an entertainment tonight type question for you. Put you on the spot here. So you get to choose one sporting event, any sport, any time of, you know, whatever parameters you want to put on that. Do you have an event that you would choose? Like, is it going to the Super Bowl? Easy. You know, Come. Easy. Okay. I don't, even, I don't even have to think about it. It's game <laughs> seven of the World Series at Wrigley Field against whoever the Cubs are playing. All right. Oh. Well, we're, we're both uh, died through and through Cardinal fans. So that's kind of hard to stomach, but we, we appreciate your, your candor and your honesty if, with that if one. If somehow the Cubs and the Cardinals could play in the World Series, that would be the ultimate. Um, but naturally, if the Cubs are there, that means the Cards aren't. So I'm a happy guy in that case. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, uh, have you been to a <laughs> – have you been to a Cardinals Cubs game in St. Louis? Oh, plenty. Yeah, plenty. Uh, I sure have. Yeah, I saw I saw McGuire and Sosa uh, back in the day uh, in in the record breaking year. I was I was in St. Louis for a uh, Saturday Sunday game late in the season. Well, that's, wow, that's that's a memory that, that uh, among others. But that's the one that those are the, yeah. that's the series that stands out the most. Sure. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate uh, your time. We know you got practice going here before too long, so we'll uh, just wish you the best of luck this season and uh, hope we'll see you down the road. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Coach. Thanks a lot. And that was Coach Alexander uh, when we caught up with him earlier in the week. Uh, I know, well, for both of us, TJ, I know we were really wanting to get him on. You know, been in the OVC the last so many years with Belmont. Uh, great winning tradition there. Mm-hmm. Seems to be year in and year out. Uh, if it's not the NCAA tournament, it's the NIT. So great postseason experience uh, and just a great coach as well. Right. right. I thought it was a great conversation. I think I wish in hindsight that we would have saved that first question to maybe catch up with them at the end of the year about challenges that changing conferences has presented. I think right now maybe it's a little too early to tell. Sure. I mean, obviously he's a guy that is going to prepare and have his coaches you know, on the ball about scouting different programs. But I'm just – to me, like, I wonder, the only Eastern time zone game they have now in conference is Terre Haute playing Indiana State. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, how much has that changed? The way you don't travel with your women's team like you do in the OVC that, hey, it's just us, we're going in there. How does that change your schedule? How does that change your whole day when you're not having to manage kind of like, hey, the women need to be at there at this time? And then, yeah. you know, how do those different things come into play? So maybe that's something... Hopefully we can get it back after the season. I also 
liked what he said about Ben Shepard and wasn't so much on the court stuff that he's looking for from Shepard, but off the court, setting the the goals, kind of the, the temperament sure. for the off the court stuff and being a leader in that fashion. Yeah, I think what I what I took away the most is when we talked about the uh, non-conference schedule, um, and and I mentioned it during the interview, but it's not the most glamorous schedule to some people. I mean, That's you a good don't, way to put it. You don't see you know like those true buy games. You're not going on the road to Ole Miss. You're not going on the road to Kansas or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do have the chance of playing Boston College or George Mason in that Paradise Jam uh, down in the, where is it? Is it the Virgin Islands they're going, I think? Yeah. Um, you got the possibility of playing one of those two. But outside of that, it's just a lot of true mid-majors that that are well-known for success. I mean, the game at Furman, not an easy game. Mm-hmm. Um, Furman's, Furman's a well-known program. Um, even games at, like, Georgia State, um, and Chattanooga's been good here recently mm-hmm. as well. Um, but then they're also getting home games against uh, a MAC member Ohio. And, you know, they're not playing Tennessee State this year, but I do think it's it's good that they're mm-hmm. uh, playing at Lipscomb, still getting yeah. one of those crosstown rivals yep. on there. That's, that's one of those games that kind of always hangs in the back of my mind. I think they call it the Battle of the Boulevard. That I'd love to just experience at one time. Yeah, so that would be cool. Now, that's not the one game, that the one event I'd like to go to, though. It's Even not. though I was really disappointed to hear that Coach Alexander's a Cubs fan. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's bad enough that, you know, us two here in the St. Louis area, just we just seen the Cardinals get eliminated with, well, it was kind of deflating, honestly, mm-hmm. after being up 2 nothing in the ninth. But then to, to hear he's a Cubs fan on top of it, I mean, it was, a, it was a double kill for us here. Yeah, but my life's no different tomorrow because of that, so... Very true. Yep, I've already forgotten till yesterday. Uh, but with that, TJ, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll get into the Missouri Valley uh, Conference here. Uh, go ahead and get your uh, your top three strongest non-conference schedules, okay. if you will. I'm going to go from third to first. Okay. Um, I think a lot of these teams, if not all of them, have games that should kind of stand out and like, wow, that'd be a really good game to see. That's a good game for the program. But my third one is Missouri State, and I think what put it over the top is probably the, this might be the non-conference game I'm looking to forward looking forward to most is when they play at St. Mary's. You know, you're a very strong program that you know it's everybody knows Gonzaga, but St. Mary's is right there with them year in and year out. That one of those two teams are going to win the league, and then they play at BYU. So those are those are two games that just really stood out to me. Um, I think Drake, they're my second team. You know, they have a neutral court game with Mississippi State, Buffalo. Um, they go to St. Louis U, to Richmond. So those are two really good A-10 teams for them to take on. And then Wofford as well that they're playing at home. So, But then my top non-conference schedule goes to Northern Iowa, which I don't think is any surprise. They're, they're consistently one of the top teams in terms of scheduling non-conference. They go to Richmond play at Virginia then they play San Francisco the 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 third team in the that conference with St. Mary's and Gonzaga so they're playing them in a in an MTE which then they will turn around and play either Wichita State and no need to introduce them to Missouri Valley fans (laughs) or Grand Canyon 
who seems to be on the upswing again. Yeah, no kidding. They host Toledo in South Florida and St. Bonaventure. Dear God. I mean, that, that's, like a, that's like a schedule you'd see across a couple seasons. Right. That is you know, brutal. So uh, I, I thought those were all really solid games. So I thought they were a clear number one. To say that there's there's not going to be a couple bubble games out of that right. slate. That there's some, you know, no way. hopefully quad one, quad two games in there for Northern Iowa for sure. uh, as they go along that. The one I thought needed the most improvement, and this was tough. There were some games I looked at, and I think everyone, like I said, has games that you kind of, okay, wow, that, that'll be a good game, uh, is Illinois State. They're playing a home-and-home with Northwestern State, which we talked about. The associate head coach from Missouri State went there and seemed to have taken a number of their players with them. Um, so those could potentially be good games for them. They go to the Cayman Islands. They're taking on LSU, which I think you know would have been in their favor of not needing improvement. Sure, but you know you look at uh, Chicago State. Uh, I don't know much about Ball State, but they're playing them in the Indy Classic at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So that's an exciting opportunity for them. And then Western Illinois as well. So uh, the one game that I don't know if you knew about this, but Illinois State has really kind of pushed this. If they're going to, they're having a game where they're calling the return to Horton, their old Fieldhouse, before they went to uh, uh, Redbird Arena. And they're actually going to take on SIUE there. Really? So it's going to be a crossover between you know our two conferences, and it's going to, Kind of have that old feel. I, I wonder if they're going to have the red and white striped shorts, you know, that my wife absolutely hates every time they wear them. But who knows? It'll, it'll be, I think it's for a program that's been down the last few years. I think that's something that's really kind of cool. And I don't know that a lot of op, uh, programs have that opportunity like Illinois State does. Because usually by the time you leave a facility, they, they tear it down or it becomes used for something else. So that'll be, that'll be a neat game. Kind of, Bring some attention to it as well. So to play that at Horton Fieldhouse. So that's where I stood. Like I said, there are a couple other programs that probably could have been there with Illinois State. Probably a couple others that could have taken over Missouri State in the third spot. But it is what it is. Okay. So not to put you too much on the spot here. So you're going to put me on the spot. It's, uh, every time it, you it, say that, not to do this, like... It, it's not. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> so <laughs> while we're staying on the scheduling aspect here... Not as much as non-conference, but just for the conference part out of Murray State, Belmont, and UIC, the three newcomers, which which program do you think playing the Valley conference schedule most um, um, is it, it helps them the most or benefits, if you will? I think it's Illinois Chicago because... I think Belmont and Murray State have been on that that big stage a lot more often than Illinois Chicago has in the point. last several years. Um, I think, you know, and not to disparage, uh, you know, Illinois Chicago's league, but they didn't have NBA players regularly coming out of their league like we've seen out of the OVC. OVC. You know, um, I, I think that's the the difference. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and bring in uh, Coach Ryan Ritter uh, when we caught up with him, uh, head coach at UT Martin. And we're joined by head men's basketball coach at UT Martin, Coach Ryan Ritter. Coach, thanks for joining the show this week. How have things been going for you? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Excited to, to, to get with you guys again. But 
um, you know, th- things are things are looking forward. We're, we're excited. Obviously, I, I think uh, along with a lot of college basketball guys right now, there's just anticipation of getting a chance to play outside opponents. And, uh, you know, I think probably like many teams, we feel like we've had a good good offseason. We're, we're preparing. We're working hard and, and uh, excited to tip this thing up. So getting right into it, how do you think your first season went? Have you had some time to look back at it in the OVC, considering you had an entirely new group of players? Well, I think on paper, I think the first thing you look at is, and it, we're not going to hide from it, you know, from a win-loss perspective, um, we didn't have the year we, we you know, we, we expect to have uh, going forward. But I, I think give credit to our guys as we competed every night, and I do think we set a foundation of, um, you know, a culture of work and, and kind of what our, our our program stands for. We did a heck of a job in the classroom, a great job in the community. Um, and so I think from that standpoint, we, we, we set a very good culture moving forward. And, um, you know, we hope that we can we can provide some, you know, some wins, um, you know, at a, at a different rate than we did last year. So looking more ahead to this season, uh, what does it mean to, to the program to see a talented player in Parker Stewart uh, returning to uh, Martin, Tennessee, uh, to be a part of the Skyhawks program, as well as K.J. Simon being voted preseason OVC player of the year? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think it means a lot. I think, you know, when you first start with Parker, obviously, um, you know, he has a, a very difficult story here the last 18, you know, almost really, really two years. True. Um, it was just 18 months, but almost, it's really almost been two years now. But um, I think most importantly is, is Parker Stewart's a phenomenal human being. You know, he's a he's an adult uh, that, that, that carries himself the right way. Um, he's committed to his craft. He's a great teammate. And so those things are going to be uh, allow us – for, for, for allow us to, to really coach him hard and and fit in with our guys and and obviously we know the type of player he is but been more impressed just in, in terms of, of the type of person and, and the way he goes about his business but um, you know KJ Simon obviously um, it, it's tough to retain all OVC players you know you look at at the league he's the only returning first team all OVC guy and whether that be to graduation or whether that be to transfer um, to be able to retain him and, and pair him with Parker along with our, our very good core group of guys returning and, and the impact transfers, you know, we feel that we've done a very good job constructing this roster to hopefully compete at the top of the league. So along with the preseason, you're voted to finish third in the league. What do you think has to improve? What do you need to see to accomplish that turnaround or even finish higher than third? Well, I think it comes down to a couple things, but I think, um, you know, defensive rebounding is, is, is going to be key. I think, um, you know, obviously great teams do it. You know, I think we, we work at it every day, but I think that's going to be the difference in a lot of wins and losses is can you close down possessions with two-handed rebounds? And um, we've got a group that's coachable. You know, we'll find out, you know, here very shortly if we can go finish with rebounds. And then I think the second part is, you know, we've got three or four returners that played a lot of minutes, but we've also got five. Uh, newcomers that are all competing uh, to play a big chunk of those minutes. So um, can we gel together? Can we not just um, take turns, but can we enhance each other? And and can we collectively find a way to play our best basketball in March? And I think if we do those two things, I I, I feel very confident that, um, you know, we can finish towards the top of the league. So you lost Bernie Andre from last year, who averaged over 10 points per game. Uh, But you also returned KK Curry and Kobe Jeffries. Uh, what is the role for two guys like that that are obviously going to see a lot of valuable minutes in the uh, starting rotation? Well, I think, you know, Kobe Jeffries is a guy that, that, that uh, quite honestly, last year was huge for him. He got to play over a thousand minutes 
as a uh, as a college freshman, got to start every game for us, and and took his lumps. You know, it was it was learning for him. He, he was he was out there a lot of times when maybe he wasn't ready, but at the end of the day, he was our best option. And so for him, I think he's going to have a a great jump to the second year. Maybe not minutes jumping up off the charts, but I think his leadership, um, his ability to, to to guard the basketball, facilitate for others. Um, you know, I think he's going to be an, a, a key contributor. Um, you know, I think, you know, we haven't talked about Chris Nix, but, you know, he was our starting five man for, for the majority of last year. You know, our expectation is he takes a major jump uh, at, at that forward position. And then, you know, KK had a good year last year and he's going to be in the mix with a lot of talented, you know, other other newcomers in terms of kind of playing that, you know, really, you know, three, three, four spot. Looking at your non-conference schedule, is there a game that, you're really looking forward to from the experience for you or your kids, uh, whether it be like maybe you're going to Ole Miss, you open at Pitt, I believe. You know, those are two big, big-time conference games for for a program like yours. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the conference schedule for us is, is, is always unique. Um, you know, we get a chance to compete against two of the best uh, conferences in the country in terms of the ACC and SEC, but then we also – um, have some really good mid-major games where you, you take a team like UNC Asheville, who's who's picked, you know, probably one or two in their league. Um, you know, Prairie View is always going to be very, very good in the SWAC, and you've got you know road games at at, at Arkansas State. Obviously, host a, a team that's on the rise in McNeese State. So, I think that the the conference non-conference schedule is 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 very challenging. But we also got some home games out of it this year in terms of playing seven uh, home games before. Uh, Christmas is is unique for us, and, and we're we're excited about uh, the opportunity to play in front of our fans, and as well as challenge ourselves in the non conference schedule. So, what are your thoughts on the new faces in the league this year? You know, you got Lindenwood, Little Rock, and Southern Indiana, as a few others uh, departed to uh, different conferences this year. Well, I think you know, start with with Little Rock is you know that, that's a team that has traditionally been very very good. Um, they've won games in the NCAA tournament. So I know those guys, uh, you know, Coach Walker and them, they're going to be ready to go right away. I'll be shocked if they don't compete towards the top of the league. They've, they've got guys back. Um, they've got talent. They, they've been hit, bit with the injury bug a little bit last year. And so they'll be really good from the start. And I think in terms of Southern Indiana and Lindenwood, um, those are two athletic administrations and, and basketball programs that, that want to be successful. And so I think their transition um, is going to be rather quickly in terms of competing at a really high level in our league. Yeah, I think uh, especially for Lindenwood, uh, well, it gets a nice draw with the St. Louis area, um, as well as Southern Indiana being in Evansville. So I'm sure that's even that's even good for your kids and the coaching staff to get into Evansville a couple times since, I mean, that's where the uh, OVC tournament's uh, being held for the next couple of years. No doubt. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that's undervalued is, is I love our league in terms of, yes, we've had success. We've had NBA players. We have teams that have won multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Um, but the thing that I like is it's you've got regional rivalries. Um, you know, everything is a, is, a, is a bus trip. And I've been in leagues where you're flying all over the place. I've been in leagues where you bus. And uh, the opportunity to jump on a bus and go there the night before, even day of, is just it's a huge advantage um, in terms of yes, one on, on your, on your kids' bodies, but, but two, it does create that fan base where, you know, there is interest to go two and a half hours away to watch us play, um, where sometimes you got to jump on that flight. It just becomes a little more difficult. So, um, I, I think getting into Evansville, I think getting into the St. Louis area is, is really good for, for our, our, our program specifically, but also for our league. 
All right, Coach, changing gears here on you, what I like to call our Entertainment Tonight uh, question, put you on the spot. You can choose one event, any sport, what game are you going to attend? Is it Game 7 of your favorite baseball team, Super Bowl, uh, some random uh, big-time high school game, something of that nature? I always think of the Muck Bowl down in Florida, which a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> but uh, do you have something like that that you wish you could attend just once? So I'd like to play at the nicest golf courses in the country. I'm not very uh, good, yep. but I'd like to play in, in, a, in a golf event. If I had to go to a game, uh, one game, I'm going to I'm gonna pick courtside game seven NBA finals. That would be my ideal. Okay. Uh, get me right in the action. Let me know it's game seven, uh, the best players in the world. That That's probably where I'd like to be if I could pick one event. Do you have a particular team that you would want to see in there? Because I think of I had the first my first opportunity to go see a game at the Garden last year. That's I think that's where I would want to go to see a game seven. You know, I don't probably have a particular. Oh man, now you're asking though. There, there there's just so many. You know, I, there's so many great players. I, I was about to give you one or two, and then I'm like, well, shoot, I don't. Just give me game seven NBA Finals courtside. I, I'd probably be pretty excited no matter what venue it's at. Okay, so then changing speeds here. If if you're going back to golf, uh, what's the number one course in the United States that uh, you want to play at that would uh, help your handicap? <laughs> that would help my handicap? Uh, probably Riviera Country Club back home. But uh, I'm gonna say let, let's let's just let's go Augusta. Uh, okay, you know, okay. just the, the mystique of it, and uh, just just getting a chance to, to to I'd say you know I'll tell you what though I get my money's worth because those guys that are shooting under par and around par, you know, I'm a little different than them. I try to get as many shots in because if I'm going to pay, I want to make sure I get my money's worth. Yeah, so I'm in a simulator golf league on Sundays here, and for during the winter, we just played at PGA National. You know, I can gloat that I shot two under, but, you know, it's simulator golf, and, you know, the putting is a lot different, and I'd probably go there in real life and shoot about 20 over on nine, so... <laughs> Hey, but I have a great time, though. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, Coach, uh, that's all we got for you. Uh, appreciate you taking time to uh, to join the show this week. Uh, best of luck to you this season, and hope, uh, hope great things for uh, Skyhawk basketball this year. Okay, guys, thanks so much for having me. And that was Coach Ryan Ritter. Uh, TJ, uh, I know from an OVC uh, side of things, we had him on last year. You weren't able to make the – the interview, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think first time uh, actually speaking to him? Got a lot of energy. I mean, he seems really excited. He's really proud of the the accomplishments or the improvements that the young men made off the court, especially had to rebuild from the ground up after the unspeakable loss of their coach from the year before. And, you know, definitely came into a tough situation. But I definitely liked his energy. He's somebody who you can see being good in – in the living room of parents, you know, just from that little interaction with him there. So uh, what did you take away from the discussion? Well, not only the excitement and the energy he's got, but just kind of kind of looking at their roster. I know we, we touched on K.J. Simon and uh, Parker Stewart as kind of that one-two mm-hmm. punch, um, but also not forget about Knicks, who he mentioned. Um, I mean, the guy's 6'9". Six, six, mm-hmm. I mean – they're going to have a huge. Um, they're going to have a huge height advantage, I think, over some of the teams in the OVC. Um, but you know, he was mentioning, you know, some of those some of those uh, non conference games that they're able to actually get at home this year. Right. 
you know, last year they didn't get too many of those. And, you know, he had, he had said at the beginning that, you know, they were hoping to do better than last year, but I, I think you got to look at the, the big picture here. You know, he took over a team last year, brand new, not a single guy there from the year before. And now you look at it and they're pick third, which honestly with, with that one, two combo and also returning, um, Jeffries and, uh, KK Curry as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they could they could do better than third. I mean, if if everything gels together, obviously you got to hope for no injuries, obviously, right. and everyone stays healthy, um, good grades. But I'm I'm really interested to see where they're at at the end of the year because I think they could uh, surpass expectations. Yeah, I think there's it's definitely much more up for grabs than it has been in the past with the OVC. Obviously, departures have created that. And, you know, like Coach said, was it nine of the top of the 10 all-conference players have left? Yeah. You know, so, or for one reason or another, whether it be teams leaving, they're leaving, they graduated. So it's definitely a new look and not just because you brought three new teams into the league as well. So we'll go ahead and get into the OVC side of it here. Uh, the three three toughest schedules and then the, the one schedule I think needs a little work. Mm-hmm. Um I had a hard time picking picking three. I kind of had like um, one, two, and then like a tie for third. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'll go ahead and do one of the ties for third. That's uh, That was UT Martin. Not going to go full-blown into it because we did talk about their schedule. Um, and what I, what I kind of based it off of is it may not be right, but I go kind of off of those buy games to try and you know mm-hmm. see those bigger schools on the schedule. Um, by no means does that mean this a mid-major isn't a more quality of opponent than a different buy game. But, you know, UT Martin plays Pittsburgh and Ole Miss, and then we got into detail earlier about um, some of their mid-major games. Um, but moving on from them, I think uh, I think number three also with UT Martin um, is Semos. They open the season at South Florida. Um, they also play... Uh, at Missouri and at Iowa. So you got a couple of power five games mm-hmm. there. Uh, you also play a home game against Purdue Fort Wayne, who I believe was picked to win their, their conference this year. Um, at least. Um, um, Lindy's sports had him picked to win um, their side of the conference there. So that'll be a good test for SEMO at home, one of their few non-conference games at home. Um, also looking forward to some of that Missouri Valley play at Bradley. Should be a good one there, as well as playing um, home against Southern Illinois and then a road contest at Arkansas State. Uh, number two, and TJ, this is a team right in our backyard here, and that's going to be Lindenwood. Uh, yeah, you can look at their schedule and be like, well, they do have a few uh, – cupcakes on there like uh some non-division one games against Hannibal LaGrange East West um Knox College and then uh they also play uh, Utah Tech yeah you're gonna have some of those non-D1 games on there for them just because hey this is their first season D1 and you do need a couple of those games to get your feet wet especially in the season when you have games at Dayton mm-hmm. at Missouri at Illinois at BYU, 
I mean, you got to have a couple games in there where you're able to get, you know, work on some plays, get that confidence going. Because, I mean, just those four games alone, I think just, I mean, really says a lot about, you know, what they're trying to do at Lindenwood, trying to get their name out there. Obviously, they're trying to get some of that revenue rolling in through the program, maybe um, upgrade the facilities here and there, whatever they need. But then again, they they also play at McNeese State. Um, UT Martin also plays them. We talked about earlier. So Linwood's got a lot of games on the road. Not too many at home outside of the uh, non-Division One. I. I believe they play. I think it's like Idaho State. But outside of them, uh, definitely road heavy for uh, Lindenwood this year. And I then think I, that's to be expected, especially as late as they were in the game of getting switched over to Division One and you know figuring those things out. I think there's a lot of factors that come into play there. Yeah. And it'll be it'll be nice to see how they fare. Um, you know, their head coach Kyle Gerdeman, um, he and he's used to the OVC. He used to coach at Southeast Missouri, so this isn't his first year in the conference. So he knows he knows some of the uh, the footwork that goes on between uh, the Ohio Valley. And then I think number one, uh, it's Moorhead State. Uh, you look at their non-conference. I mean, they open the season at Indiana. They also play at West Virginia, at Vanderbilt. You know, so that that's those power five games that we were talking about. But then you look at some of those mid-majors. Bellarmine, it's a solid program at the mid-major level. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're one of those teams that are on that um, can't participate in the... Yeah, I think they're pretty close, though. If, if this year is not the last year, I think next year Next is. year is. So they're on the border there. Um, but they've already had success at the Division One level. Um, Marshall on the road, um, good program there. And then one of the, one of the teams that, that I've followed here over the years, actually two, uh, you got East Tennessee state, that's a home game. And then Georgia Southern on the road. I knew you were going to say Georgia Southern. Man, you know, I don't know if it was last year, but there was about a four, four year stretch. I forget who their head coach was at the time, but it did not matter how many how many points they were giving up on defense. They they were the fastest offense in mm-hmm. college basketball. Like that just zooming up the court every yeah. time. There was no defense. Yep. And I, I just I enjoyed watching it. I know you did. You probably probably uh wagered a little bit on that game those games too, didn't you? Especially taking the over. Did they? They're probably your sleeper pick to take the over. Like, oh, Georgia Southern's player, I'm gonna take the over. Well not comment. This isn't core. You can't take the fifth. You put <laughs> me on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, you could be right. Uh, so yeah, a good a good schedule there for Moorhead State. Um, I think the the one that looks like it, it could use could use some work. Um, and I think this is a team that's going to have success in the OVC this year. And that's Tennessee State. Um, they return a lot of talent this year. Uh, four guys named to the all OVC preseason team. Uh, you look at their schedule, though. The games that jump out at you is a road game at St. Louis. I am going to do my best to attend that game. Um, and then outside of that, they play. They open the season against Fisk, um, non-Division one. Then they play South Carolina State, Alabama A&M, at Carbondale, neutral site game versus Cal State Northridge, 
home against uh, Carver. So I'm sure they're probably going to play another game out there when they play mm-hmm. Cal State Northridge. Um, so I think those are connected. That game with Southern Illinois and then the, that deal with Cal State Northridge. It's uh, like there's some sort of deal with those games. That they're so like you play one game at a yeah. at a home site. It's then... like the something classic. Okay. SoCal Challenge. Then they, pl- then they play at home against Carver. They also play home games against non-Division One opponents, Boyce, Bryan, and they have another non-D1 game on there too. So the, the other Division One games are Lipscomb and Charleston Southern, as well as former OVC member Austin P. So I, I think when you look at it, I mean, yeah, yeah, Tennessee State should be good in the OVC, but as a team that I feel like could could run, um, could put a run for their money here at times. I, I just kind of would like to have seen a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit stronger non-conference schedule, if you will, just kind of see where they match up. Because I think, I think a lot of a lot of the OVC teams are probably, I don't say better, but I think it gives them more of a even match than some of these. Gets them more prepared for the conference play than exactly. Yeah, I, I think long-winded version of saying that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Great. How far is the commute for Tennessee State to Fisk University? Well, I believe Fisk is in Nashville. Yeah, but how far apart are they? Oh, kidding me. Uh, Let's see. I think Tennessee State to Belmont was further. So we're going to say like five blocks. 0.9 0.9 miles. Ah, pretty close. Yeah, not Maybe. too bad. Get some hot chicken while you're in Nashville. and I can't do that. We were there on a bachelor party, and um, I know this, this has a lot to do with basketball, but we were there on a bachelor party, and I, I did try that one time. Well, nope, never doing it again. Yeah, but how much beer did you have with said hot chicken? I mean, I, I had a decent amount. Uh-huh. But I'm sure it was the chicken that was causing you the intestinal issues, not the newest draft beers. No, I I mean, it could have been a combination of both, but I'm going to lean with the the chicken, that hot, hot chicken. I can't eat spicy, but uh, uh, too much. That's what we'll roll with. Uh, But with that, TJ, uh, that kind of wraps up the episode here for uh, for episode two. Kind of a loaded podcast this year, or this this episode. Um, had two interviews. I think it's the first time we've had two and mm-hmm. two and uh, one episode over the last couple of years we've been doing this. Um, any final thoughts to wrap up the show? Uh, I, I do. Uh, kind of a question for you too, John. John Rothstein is adamantly opposed to expanding the NCAA tournament, and one of the things he said on Twitter today was that every team has the opportunity to get in. It's called winning your conference tournament. So okay. what do you think about those two statements? One, we never expand it, and your chance to get in is by winning your conference tournament. See, I kind of, I have mixed feelings here, TJ. Obviously, being a mid-major fan, I'd like to see as, as many – because I kind of look at, at mid-major as an underdog story. Doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, no one's expecting you mm-hmm. to. Even if you're right. even if you're a mid-major ranked twenty fifth, no one's expecting you to get to the final four or win. Um, 
So, yeah, I understand where where mid-majors at this point, like, so you look at the OVC this year, okay, it's a one-bid league, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my opinion, it, yeah, you win your conference, you deserve to be in. But at the same time, the, the mid-majors have been, I don't want to say hosed is the word, but that's what I'm going to roll Underrepresented. with. Underrepresented. That, that's a good one. We'll roll with that. Because you you look at the last couple seasons, I you know, I am so sick and tired of seeing, you know, power five schools get in at like 16 and 15. Right. And I and, and to to a point I understand because like, well, they had they had seven seven wins against, you know, top one hundred. Well, that's because they play in that conference. Shouldn't they have a chance to do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. But now if you're saying a mid-major has to do that for their non-conference to keep pace, well, then let's say uh, Moorhead State, for example, plays eight by games. They go 0-8. Well, now I, if the committee doesn't hold that against them, I think that's I, – I don't believe it because I think they look at that. And now you hardly have any wins in you know non-conference because you've loaded up on that. And if you lose, if you lose out by maybe one game or you lose in the championship with like a, I don't know, a kind of a 500 record then at that point for a mid-major, I, I just, they're not going to put them in. Right. I think my counter argument would be, okay, then only conference champions get in across the board. Oh, sorry, Duke. You lost the championship game. True. Because if that's going to be your argument, then why is that? that that's a good, yeah. You know, sorry, Indiana. I, I know you guys went, you know, 25 and 5 in the regular season. But, but you had your chance. You lost, to- you lost in the semifinals. You had your chance. Like, I, 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 that's the trouble I had with that argument. I can, I can be on board with not expanding it, making it special. But it's expanded multiple times, and we're always adding Division One teams. Like, yep. we, there's two in the OVC alone this year. Yeah. So it's not proportionate to say, like, well, that's the way we've always done it, which I'm, I hate that statement. But I just didn't like the idea of like, we have the chance to get in, win your conference tournament. Well, and, and okay, I know it's not the NCAA term, but even if you downgrade that and look at the NIT, even mid majors that maybe get snubbed in the NCAA tournament, you're still finding a lot of these teams that are in the NIT are teams that are 500 at best and power fives. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I'm sure a lot of people would tell me I'm wrong because like well you know they're playing that tough schedule they deserve to get in. I I think it's a two way street. You can't just play a tough schedule and expect that makes you ready for yep. it. You have to you have to win some of those games. And I I I think I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you don't finish in the top half of your league, you don't deserve to get in. Yeah. Unless you win your conference tournament. I I agree because if you're in a power five conference and you're like the if you sit at number eight i mean yeah you can snag a win maybe against a team that's top four if you're at home Mm -hmm. i mean it happens but just because you beat one team that doesn't mean you should be in over a mid-major that went like 26 and four yeah and i just saw a stat i don't have it in front of me but the big 10 against teams with a lower seed than them is not great in the last i think four years oh it's 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 brutal Mm mm-hmm yeah, but yeah, we'll see where that goes from here. Maybe they'll expand. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll listen to us and just 
top two teams from each league. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and place a wager on that, and that's probably not no, going to no, no, happen. No, no, you don't gamble. I mean, that's that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, but with that, that'll wrap up season three, episode two here on View of the Valleys. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in, and again, a special thanks to Belmont head coach Casey Alexander and UT Martin head coach Ryan Ritter for taking time to join the show this week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.